the muzzleloaders.com podcast, your source for all things muzzleloading. Welcome back to another episode of the Muzzleloaders podcast. Uh, this is the show where we talk about all things black powder. Uh, anything muzzleloading related is going to be discussed on this podcast. So we have Brad, the CEO, and Nate, our general manager, with us today. And we are going to be talking about long-range muzzleloading, uh, both hunting and shooting aspects, getting some little tips in there and things like that. So be sure to stay tuned. Uh, if you want to get into long-range muzzleloading, this is definitely going to be the podcast for you. So uh, let's go ahead and dive in. And we just want to talk about what is considered long-range with muzzleloading. And we were talking a little bit pre-show about what mm-hmm. that means because it is it does evolve. So Brad, why don't you go ahead and just dive into that one? Well, I think it's interesting because you asked that question today, 20 years ago and 50 years ago, and there's mm-hmm. three different answers. You know, I I was just thinking through the evolution of muzzle loading, and fifty years ago, a mm-hmm. hundred yards was yeah. long range. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, round ball, maxi ball. Um, you know, maybe some guys shooting a little bit, but I think that would have been the benchmark of long range. You know, a lot of guys um, were probably shooting with their side locks fifty yards, seventy five. You know, for the, twice as far as a bow was probably shooting at that mm-hmm. time. Yeah. You know, where twenty years ago, maybe it was one hundred and fifty to two hundred yards, and mm-hmm. today. I would say 300 yards is that benchmark where anything beyond that is considered long range. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Absolutely. And I think that as you start to get past that, that's where you start to see the, the, um, the limit of the standard magnums and you start to get into the super magnums and things that we've seen come around. Um, and so what is the advantage that you're going to have trying to stretch it out there specifically for hunting purposes. Cause we'll start there because we're going to get into some of the competition stuff later. Mm-hmm. Um, but for hunting purposes, obviously you can shoot longer, but are there other advantages too? like Nate and I were even discussing this a little bit pre-show. Like what are the things that you're looking for when you're taking those long range shots? Uh, I mean, on an animal, you're definitely looking for, I would definitely say the first thing that you have to consider is how mm-hmm. proficient you are with the weapon that you're using. For sure. I mean, if you're not shooting all the time with this weapon, then you really shouldn't even be out there hunting with it. Yeah. Um, long range mm-hmm. hunting is definitely kind of a niche thing for people who are really into it, mm-hmm. uh, really proficient with their weapon. And um, yeah, I, I totally agree with mm-hmm. that. I mean, the advantage is more Western than Eastern. Yeah. You know, I grew up in Pennsylvania hunting whitetails and I, the furthest shot you could really take in a field was about 300 yards. Mm-hmm. Um, out West, there's been places that I've hunted and, and come to, you know, when I'm out archery hunting or rifle hunting, or I've carried a muzzleloader as well. You can't get within 300 yards. Yeah. You're looking across a Canyon mm-hmm. that's straight down, straight up. You can recover the the game, but there's mm-hmm. no way of getting down and getting up without being seen yeah and you know but when everything's calm perfect i mean a a 300 yard shot here is a walk in the park yeah um you know i've hunted in the woods of maine you can't see 50 yards (laughs) 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 you know 30 yards i mean and so it's just interesting because there's a lot of people that have not experienced that of Mm -hmm. a 400 yard shot i mean when Mm -hmm. would you even do that Yeah. yeah you know i mean i'm kind of in that boat where i've I wouldn't even know, you know, people in Portland, 
mm-hmm. blacktail deer hunting. You know, yeah. I've talked to a ton of people. They're like, oh yeah, you'd be lucky if you can see 50 yards. You know, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. what? What is that? You know, I grew up hunting here and having, and in Wyoming, you know, right. <laughs> like oh. <laughs> wide open spaces. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I've never really experienced the opposite of that where yeah. I, can't see 50 yards what is that like, yeah. I, don't even, I don't even understand yeah. what are you talking about what is it midnight <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> i was i was on youtube the other day just kind of clicking through stuff and doing some research and something caught my eye is a guy with a i think it was a gunworks muzzleloader mm-hmm. killed an antelope at 715 yards mm-hmm. wow like that that's that's long range well, that, that is that's safely range, within yeah. the long range benchmark yeah. and an antelope <laughs> is a small target yeah. yeah well i mean that's that's long range with a center fire I yeah. Mean, yeah that, yeah. that oh, is yeah. a lot of long time of flight you know yeah and and that's that's where i know we're kind of jumping ahead here but i mean that's pushing the limits of of ethics for me yeah mm-hmm. absolutely you know because as we talked a little bit about pre pre-show is time of flight yeah how long is the bullet in the air is the animal going to take one step and you go from perfect heart lung shot to guts and then as nate said how proficient are you with your gun mm-hmm. and um you know i'm probably ultra conservative on that end and don't like to push the limits but mm-hmm. at the same time you know give me a piece of steel at a thousand yards and i'm going for yeah it. absolutely yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. no question there's not a life on the end of it, you know? <laughs> well recently darren got to shoot his furthest ever shot yeah i mean with a center fire but still yeah. i mean you got to see how difficult that can be yeah, I mean, we're talking that was with a six-five Creedmoor, mm-hmm. and that's got a you know shorter time of flight than a muzzleloader under most circumstances, and it's a smaller caliber. Yep. and it still takes forever. And even when it's making impact at that distance, it's not a huge impact. I mean, <laughs> no. it's like, did I hit it? Did I not? You know, it's <laughs> yeah. like it's a whole whole different ball game than yep. just your standard you know two hundred yard shot. Well, exactly. and there's just so many variables too. I mean, I was just at a long range shoot um, this this uh, last weekend Mm -hmm. and when we got to the thousand yard um shot you know you shoot once and you're like okay that's i called my wind completely wrong and yeah six feet off to the right Mm -hmm. make that correction and then Mm -hmm. hit it that time and then the wind just dies down a little bit and now you're a foot off to the right even though you just hit it holding the same hold as Mm -hmm. your last shot so yeah it's just really being fine-tuned on that kind of stuff especially at a thousand yards i mean 600 and 500 and 300 not so much uh not so many variables but man a a thousand yards is just there's way too many variables especially for in my opinion a muzzleloader yeah thousand yards is way unethical for me and i think brad and i are kind of in the same mindset Mm -hmm. if if you're in an area where you, you have a 600 yard shot in an animal but you know that you can get closer why wouldn't you yeah Yeah. that's also like part of the fun of hunting is like Mm -hmm. you know that's why archery is so appealing is it becomes sort of that chess match where you're trying to pit your intelligence and play the wind right and everything Mm -hmm. and so well yeah why wouldn't you try and get closer you know yeah what is the goal of hunting yeah it's to harvest an animal right yeah it's Mm -hmm. not to just wing bullets out there yeah exactly Exactly. and i would say a thousand yards with a center fire is the the 500 yard muzzleloader shot yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah. you know you probably you know you're looking at huge bullet drop i mean wind is a huge factor Mm -hmm. you know um because even with a muzzleloader that bullet's just going so much slower except Mm -hmm. for now you've got the 40 cal yeah Mm -hmm. you know from cva with the htr Mm -hmm. and that the ballistic performance in that is unreal amazing yeah Yeah. we've yet to test with one yet but um hopefully soon in the next month or so we will yeah well and it's crazy too you're getting it was like 2750 um, which is very comparable to centerfire cartridges. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And 
even with that though, your time of flight, you figure that's going a half a mile in a second. And so, and probably even, probably even less than that because, Mm -hmm. uh, as it's going out there, that's just the muzzle velocity. So, I mean, you're, you're really having to bring that distance in close for an ethical shot in my opinion, because we were talking a little bit about, um, what it looks like to take an ethical shot, you know, and that's a half second is a long time. A a second Mm -hmm. is a really long time, Yes, you know? And so those shots become more and more, you know, lots less room for error. Yeah, for sure. And, and it all comes back to proficiency at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. If you're proficient with the gun, you can make a lot of shots. Yeah. Um, and so we're, we're big advocates of people getting the guns, try them out, you know, get, get out to the range, start shooting them now. Mm-hmm. Seasons are coming. Ammo is hard to come by this year. Powder primers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, thankfully bullets are in decent supply overall, yeah. but, um, you know, get behind the gun <laughs> Yeah. and do things to make every shot count. Like, yes. you know, take some bench shots but because ammo, you can't just shoot all day long, mm-hmm. take some offhand shots, take some shots, you know, from a non-traditional rest and try and get that extra practice in and make every round count because you're not, you don't know when you're going to get the next batch of Blackhorn or wherever, you right. know, so. Yeah. I think positional training is equally as important in the long range hunting realm as well. I mean, mm-hmm. if you just take all your shots from a bench, when are you going to, when you're out hunting, it's not always the optimal situation. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, you might have if to use is. that tree or use right. that bush or use mm-hmm. that rock or whatever as right. a positional spot to shoot from. So, Unless you're sitting on a bean field or a cornfield. Sure. You know, yeah. Something like that. I mean, thankfully, there are tree a stand. lot of people out there that, yeah, exactly. It's like you've got a nice firm rest, mm-hmm. but the positional stuff. And that's why, you know, I think both of us got into PRS type shooting. I wanted to be a better hunter. Mm-hmm. I wanted to know, okay, there's a tree here that I can lean off of or something like that. And, you know, mm-hmm. how can I just make better shots yep. on animals? Absolutely. Um, you know, and, and I think that I definitely achieved that. Mm-hmm. And now it's just becoming more and more proficient. And so, you know, I challenge anybody, take a 22 out there mm-hmm. and shoot off oh, of yeah. a fence post, Yeah. you know, and, and make it a small target and, and just get that practice in because, you know, as we said, you know, you can only get so much black corn right now. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Story. Yeah. Um, and that is going to kind of just lead us into what equipment are you looking for? Because you obviously don't want to have the wrong rifle, the wrong scope and all that stuff and just right. go out and try and take a 500 yard shot. You know, you're yeah. obviously, if you're going to be doing long range, whether it's competition or hunting, mm-hmm. you're going to want to make sure you have the correct equipment. Yep. Um, and so let's go ahead and start with the rifles. What are some rifles that are going to get you out to that 300 yard mark? And then some that are going to go beyond that as well. Like if you're looking to get into that. Uh, I mean, there's, there's a few that are just obvious. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got the Paramount series, the, the Paramount, the Paramount pro and the Paramount HTR from mm-hmm. CVA. Um, the Acura LRX um, is all day a 300 yard gun yeah. as well. Then you've got the Traditions Vortec uh, Striker Fire LDRs, the, that new vapor barrel with the faster twist. Um, yeah. Can stabilize those heavier bullets, which are better at longer range. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I and the Remington 700, if they continue to make yeah. it, would have been a, a, another really good option there. Yeah. Um, but that, I mean, that's really about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you really want that longer barrel for higher mm-hmm. velocity. I would say you want over 1,900 feet per second. 
um, which we've seen the Acura LR in our testing. We're at higher altitude, twenty two hundred feet per second. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but easily over two thousand. Yeah. Um, and and I think that's important. Yeah, and we won't get into the weeds on rifles. I mean, that's what we carry. Obviously, there's a yeah. bunch of. <laughs> custom yeah muscle yeah. orders out there nowadays but that's true that's what we have available so yeah. yeah and making sure you have that rifle that's capable of that is important um mm-hmm. that's really just a piece of the puzzle too because there's optics are super important that's actually mm-hmm. up until recent years i didn't know a whole lot about optics and how glass clarity it's i you know because when you grow up you know you just think oh well magnification is obviously the most important thing yeah that's a piece of it, but mm-hmm. optics are a lot about glass clarity, coatings, mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff that reticle. factors into it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, reticle, all kinds of stuff. So Nate, why don't you talk about some of the scopes? Cause I know you in particular are a kind of a scope nerd and you love all the, I am of, a little bit of a scope. Yeah. Nerd. So what are, what, are the, <laughs> what are the scopes that you're going to go to, you know, well, I think, for long range? You know, shooting? you can have a gun that can shoot a mile, whatever. It doesn't even matter if you don't have a good optic, that's going to hold that zero and be able to, you know, I mean, if you're going to take that long range shot, you're going to need something that dials. Yep, you're definitely. not going to use holdovers. That's just insane and not very ethical, <laughs> mm-hmm. as we've talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, so really having a, a scope that's capable of keeping its tracking and being able to dial out to 1,000 yards or 1,500 or whatever, or 600 or whatever you're doing, yeah. right. and be able to come back to zero and hit a dead-on bullseye mm-hmm. is, is crucial. And, you know, there's the scope market has just gotten so vast in the yeah. last few years. I mean, it's gone, gone crazy. Um, but definitely, you know, loophole makes some top quality, top notch, mm-hmm. uh, scopes, uh, vortex makes some amazing scopes. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely going to probably want to stay in the higher end range in most of those for long range definitely. hunting. Um, and then you know, you've got night force, you've mm-hmm. got uh, U.S. optics, you've got there's just there's so many nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> but I would definitely highly recommend, you know, a Leupold Mark Five HD is, in my opinion, one of the greatest scopes for long range hunting specifically because mm-hmm. the weight is mm-hmm. just you're not packing on a seven pound scope or whatever you know yeah, <laughs> yeah. they're incredibly lightweight yeah mm-hmm. the, the weight yeah. is good they're lightweight they've got all the reticles you could you could want for long range hunting mm-hmm. um yeah uh, and then vortex makes some really good scopes as well in that and then uh, but yeah as far as hunting goes i think loopholes really got the a good lightweight yeah option so they do you yeah, know and and one thing with scopes is again going back to you know what is considered long range 20 mm-hmm. years ago the nikon bdc three yeah. to nine by 40 yeah. was <laughs> was the king yeah. yeah um because it gave you those bullet drop points and that really was the beginning of that evolution mm-hmm. um you know and today that's a a budget scope you mm-hmm. know yeah. i mean when you start to look at those kind of things three to nine i've got that on my 22 mm-hmm. yeah you yeah. know and and <laughs> it used to be like like darren said you know magnification and you can go on online and find a, a 20 power Tasco that you're not going to be able to see anything at yep, 300 yeah, yards, yep, yep. but you know, cause it's a hundred dollar scope. But when you start to look at some of these optics and see what you're able to see, I mean, it's incredible oh, what we've seen, yeah. <laughs> you know, at, at 500 yards, you know, I, I could tell you every point on a buck. I could yeah. tell you <laughs> any little kicker, you know, anything like that. The clarity is yeah. unmatched. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you need to see pollen in the air, see the grass moving, things like that, when you're doing any kind of long-range shot over 300 yards. That's important. You the know, wind, yeah, you got to yeah. be able to see that. And with these better scopes, you can do that. Mm-hmm. You take it back down to, you know, 
a hundred, two hundred dollars scope, you're just not going to have the clarity that's needed. And it, especially on like a hot day, all, you, all you're going to see is through a cheap scope is mirage. Yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that animal's going to be a blur out there. Yep. three yeah. to six hundred yards. And yeah. contrast, you know, that's one of the big things that I've learned is that looking into a shaded spot, you know, oh, certain yeah. lens coatings will give you clarity mm-hmm. where a deer's bedded under a tree somewhere out on a sunny hillside you're gonna say oh, there's nothing in there mm-hmm. all of a sudden with some of these optics you can see anything yeah you know, yeah it's it's really yeah. impressive yeah. it's amazing yeah and you know bullets are another thing too that i want to go into because you know scopes are important we have the uh you know you got to be able to have that clarity you got to be able to tell wind direction mm-hmm. the magnification's important um, but bullets are another important piece uh, because you want to make sure you have a high ballistic coefficient bullet. And there's several yep. actually that have been developed recently that are really good. Um, so why don't we go ahead and dive into some of those? I mean, the ELR is probably the most notable. Mm-hmm. Um, that yeah. was the biggest change in muzzleloading in a while because power belts have really led the industry. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You know, they had the the Aerolites and the Platinums, which were two of my favorite bullets for a long time. Aerolite was the go-to deer bullet. Platinum was the big game bullet. Mm-hmm. Um, also the, had a, a better BC for longer range. But then they yeah. came out with this ELR bullet, which was almost a hybrid between the two. Um, and, you know, you've got a really high BC now, available in 40, 45, and 50 cal. And that 40 cal one looks like a missile. Oh, man. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and, you know, the I think the biggest development in bullets has come even from the centerfire side, and it's Mm -hmm. just controlled expansion. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it used to be just, you know, originally what Nosler had the ballistic tip, but then they started controlling that because those just exploded. Mm -hmm. I was a big fan of them. But at the same time, a little bit more control in the expansion. And you've seen that in muzzle loading. Yeah. You know, Hornady's got some great options. Um, Barnes, Thor, you know, the controlled expansion. So that way you can extend the range, mm-hmm. you know, and even expand at lower velocities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a big one, especially for long range. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Polymers come a long ways in the last 10 years. I mean, they mm-hmm. uh, talking about ballistic tips. Um, you know, they started off with a softer polymer and they just noticed that everything was exploding. And so mm-hmm. uh, all the companies have really gone to a more harder, denser controlled polymer in their uh, yeah. ballistic tips, which mm-hmm. gets a great controlled expansion. Like you were saying. So. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, weight retention is another piece of that too. Oh, you yeah. Make sure you're able to carry that through. Mm-hmm. And that's a notable thing with a lot of the modern bullets. We've found that, uh, you know, some of them are having a weight retention of like 90%. Right. Which is mm-hmm. really sweet. Um, yeah. Which is also a catch-22. I mean, if you're getting a full pass-through with 100% weight retention, you could have an FMJ do that. Mm-hmm. You know, you need to make sure you're transferring the energy. And that's where a lot yeah. of these muzzle-loading bullets, and I, I have really gotten good about, expand, you know, huge expansion, mm-hmm. but not shedding all the weight. You know, the according to engineers, the perfect bullet stops in the hide at the far side because it took all of the foot pounds of energy, you know, 900 Mm. foot pounds and transferred it to the animal. Yeah. Um, You know, as soon as you get a pass through, obviously some of the energy left, but you know, you get a better blood trail with a full Mm -hmm. pass through. So, you know, it, some of it comes down to personal preference. Um, But I mean, really at the end of the day, the technology is cool and it's advancing fast. Well, I'm never going to shoot an animal with an FMJ. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good idea. I did that one time. I had a two, two, three and I shot a squirrel and I had this image in my mind of the squirrel blowing up. And I went up to it, and there's just a little hole. Little pinhole. Yeah, little pinholes all yeah. of us. So, same principle, you know. Yeah. yeah um, and it, it will also depend on the type of animals you're hunting, too. Definitely. Because um, I really like Africa. Like, that's mm-hmm. my thing. And, and those animals oftentimes have a thicker hide. You want something that's going to punch through a little better. 
Um, but if you're hunting antelope, you know, you that's not necessarily speak of an issue. You're not concerned <laughs> about that as much. So yeah. Um, another one too is the ignition. That's another piece of this this puzzle. And we've seen, you know, 209 ignition has been pretty common in inlines for a while. Mm -hmm. And now we're seeing kind of this movement towards large rifle primers. And there is some technology and science behind that. And so uh, what is kind of the the thought process behind using the large rifle primer versus the 209 in these super magnums? Um, I mean, really, it's just a hotter, faster ignition. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think the 209 is a really great ignition source for the standard and magnum charges. Mm-hmm. I think what what they were starting to find out is as you're increasing, especially Blackhorn 209, very picky, um, you know, as you're increasing these powder charges past what previously was used, um, you need to ignite that powder faster. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the result is that large rifle primer, you know, just ignites the Blackhorn immediately. Mm-hmm. And I mean, what, they're using 140 grains of Blackhorn, you know, in the Paramounts. And so... You know, I think it's better, but it's not better for all applications. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to match up the right primer to the right powder. Yeah. Using it with 100 grains of white hots, you're probably not going to get the benefit out of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the 209s, you know, um, are handy. They're bigger, easier to get a mm-hmm. hold of, obviously. Yep. Um, not as, as difficult, you know, dropping your primers all over the place. Yeah. Uh, but I also <laughs> think it comes down to technology, too, and controlling your variables. You know, the more you can control your variables, the more consistent you're going to be. Mm-hmm. And I think that the technology in the large rifle primers is slightly better. Yeah. You yeah. know, they've got match grade primers that you can use nowadays that are very consistent mm-hmm. um, for large rifle primers, which, again, controls your variables. If right. You're getting that same ignition every single time. Mm-hmm. That's what you're after. Yeah, and feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. I was under the impression there is like a displacement thing too. Um, so like if you're using a 209 primer, you get a little bit more displacement in the powder mm-hmm. and the large rifle primer uh, doesn't do that and it just ignites the powder where it is, which also helps control those variables. Um, am I am I correct in that? I've heard that. Um, I just, I, I can't really confirm it. I've, I have heard people mention that, people mm-hmm. that are on the engineering side um, and so I, I do believe that there's something there to that. Um, but, you know, it's not something that we've necessarily been able to test ourselves. Yeah. But more than anything, we just look at accuracy and velocity, mm-hmm. you know, and the large rifle primers seem to have better, you know, consistency between shots. For sure. Yeah. And really, at the end of the day, who cares about all the displacement? If it's more accurate, then yep. that's what you should do. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Correct. Yeah. If, yeah. if it's repeatable, it's going to be accurate. Exactly. Yep. And um, I do kind of want to have a quick note on like shooting form too, because you could take whole classes on that. Mm -hmm. And so I don't want to get too into the weeds, but definitely like look into proper shooting form because the odds are if you've been shooting the same way your whole life, you're probably shooting incorrectly. And Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that until uh, these two guys started correcting me on my shooting form. And there's all kinds of little things that make it more repeatable, Mm -hmm. make you more accurate. And, you know, it's, also just really interesting to look into if you love shooting so yeah, that's something that brad and i've had lots of conversations on because <laughs> when i get in a hurry i get into my comfortable positions and yeah. i start shooting like garbage yeah and then brad's always the one to be like dude you're, you're doing it again and i'm like ah. yeah. <laughs> well it's amazing those small adjustments can make a huge impact especially at long range where the small i mean if you're shooting a two inch group at you know 100 that's that's what is that like a 
a 20 inch group at a thousand. So it's yeah. like, yeah, that's a huge difference. So the smallest little details matter mm-hmm. when you're doing long range. Absolutely. Yeah. At 50 yards, a lot of it doesn't make hardly any yeah. difference. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to be able to hit the vital zone on a deer. Yeah. But as you get further out there, it, and it's interesting when I first went to the loophole Academy, you know, they, they had somebody lay down behind a rifle and like, who wants to volunteer? And a guy goes up there and he's like, you know, who all thinks this is right. And basically all of us, raised our hand like yeah it looks good to us and he's like good you've all been doing it wrong your whole lives <laughs> you know, now we're going to break it down yeah. and start back and it's really interesting because you know in the past there wasn't a lot of emphasis on true precision because the guns and the optics and the equipment weren't capable of it where now the capabilities are there mm-hmm. and all of a sudden all these little deficiencies start showing up you know what do you do with your thumb yeah on the rifle stock mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know if you're bladed out, you're actually going to, you know, slightly deflect, you know, how the energy transfers through the stock and, you know, just mm-hmm. crazy things that you just would never think about mm-hmm. that are happening in the blink of an eye behind your rifle. Yeah. yeah. And so it, it's really fun to learn and there's lots of YouTube content on it. You For know, sure. Or even like keeping your, your rifle level. I never thought that yeah. that made any difference. <laughs> you know, there's a great video on YouTube that uh, the lilies do um, long range with the lilies and they talk about that a little bit. And he, you know, he just kind of shoots some out at, I can't even remember the distance. He's like 700 yards or something like that with a level rifle and just impact, impact. And then cans his rifle over and you can see the bubble level and that bullet just yeah right off the left of the target. And, yeah. and a couple degrees is all. Yeah. It, mm-hmm. it doesn't all take it much. So, you know, more variables. And that's why, you know, I think more than anything, we were talking about long range, you know, you need that practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, why did you all of a sudden go from hitting every shot to missing? Like, what did, what did I do wrong? Because it's yeah. not the gun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah you know the gun and scope are there you know four four shots in a row it's perfect now the fifth one went off what did you do yeah you know, and that's what i love about the competitions because how else do you get practice for mm-hmm. something like hunting um you can go out and shoot from a bench all day even do positional training do all the stuff you want with no time limit right yeah and you're gonna do it perfect <laughs> every time because you're thinking about it all yeah once that time starts in a competition it's like okay <laughs> now i have to do all of everything that i normally do perfectly mm-hmm. without thinking about it yeah and under pressure which yeah. is gonna simulate that pressure of when there's a big buck or elk in front of you like yeah. You, your that your your heart starts to pump and it's the same thing when you're under time in a competition your heart starts to pump and you, your adrenaline's going and yeah so it's just really great practice to to for shooting yeah and you it's also important to shoot under time to practice that way because mm-hmm. there's no way to really replicate that adrenaline we've talked about this on a previous podcast but you know shooting under time is a great way to replicate adrenaline because yeah. you're like i have time like i need to make sure i'm doing it and then you know, it's a great way to practice that because you have no idea how you're going to perform until you get there under time yep. unless you practice that way. So, yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And with a muzzleloader, you know, one thing I would do with the time is, you know, make a shot, reload, mm-hmm. shoot again, and, and check that time. You know, you're not trying to get powder back down the barrel the second the gun goes off, mm-hmm. but just doing it efficiently and yeah. practice, you know, in case you need that follow-up shot. And a lot mm-hmm. of times, you know, with long range shooting and, and archery and, and, anything like that you know maybe that deer's at 200 yards and you make a shot and the deer runs back and and let's say you've got the opportunity to shoot again at 350 or 400 yards Mm -hmm. i think that's where the experience really comes in yeah is that okay i've made a shot like this before i can reload Mm -hmm. and get another shot off just to make sure 
that without a shadow of a doubt that deer is going down. For and sure. if you're practicing your reloads under time, like Brad was saying too, you're more likely to not put your bullet in without any powder. Yep. That's <laughs> <laughs> yep. it's, it's kind of become a joke. Become a joke. <laughs> yep. One of us is very familiar with that. <laughs> right. uh, Ethan from I Love Muzzleloading commented on one of our posts recently and was like, you know, there's those who have dry balled and those who will dry ball so <laughs> it happens to the best of us it does happen it's only happened to me here so yeah so anyways let's go ahead and do our tech tip of the day mm-hmm. um and that's going to be sort of like a a thing that's recently come out of the scene is weighing your powder versus mm-hmm. volumetric um because as we've been talking about this whole podcast the small details are mm-hmm. what make a huge difference in your accuracy overall and weighing your powder versus volumetric, it might not be a lot, but it's another small detail that you can take that variable away. Absolutely. And so for those who aren't familiar, um, what it, what goes into like weighing out your powder? Is there an efficient way that you can do it? Like, what's that look like? Well, I would definitely use, you know, some sort of um, reloading scale um, mm-hmm. because they're going to be the most accurate. And uh, obviously I'm very much on the side of weighing your powder yeah. because it's like you said, controlling those variables. Um, if, if you're shooting a hundred, 200 yards, I think volumetric is fine. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to get a mm-hmm. decent consistency, but if you're really trying to stretch it out there, three, four, five, six hundred 600 yards, like we talked about, um, just controlling every single variable that you can yep. control to be as accurate as possible, I think is, is key. And, um, using a very accurate scale is, uh, part of that. So, mm-hmm. And having the right ratio, yes, you know, because yes. Mm, yes. most of the manufacturers list uh, powder charges by volume on that max load. Mm-hmm. So you need to go down thirty percent, no matter what. So a hundred becomes seventy. Um, seventy by weight is a hundred by volume. And you know, the interesting thing is, if you're considering starting to weigh your powder charges, just take a couple of volume loads that you would normally use and weigh them out and see how big of a difference mm-hmm, it is. Mm-hmm, it's yeah, going to be several grains, even though every time you got the powder measure, even close that top or whatever, or you close and reopen your powder measure and you know, you're just slightly off. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just eliminating one more variable. Mm-hmm. And it does make a difference. I mean, like if you pour your powder in and then slide it over, or if you pour your powder in, tap it a little bit and yep. you're getting more or less by a pretty significant margin. Oh yeah. Yeah. And you start tapping it. You're really starting you're to change really changing your, things. Yeah. Your so, um, yeah, it's, Weighing by volume is, or going, or weighing by volume, measuring by weight is definitely the way to go mm-hmm. uh, with long range muzzle loading because you yeah. want to take those variables out of there. So I would um, say there's one downside to that. If you're in the field, you mm-hmm. have to have your pre measured mm-hmm. charges. You, yeah. you can't do it in the field. So, you know, getting a bunch of charge tubes is what you have to do with mm-hmm. that. Absolutely. You know, a lot of guys that don't do that, you know, you're able to take your powder flask and powder measure with you, yeah. pour it down the barrel. So, you know, I would say that is the one drawback, but you're getting better accuracy. Mm-hmm. So a little bit more work at home, you know, allows for more accuracy in the field and at the yeah. range. Well, and, and those charge tubes aren't a huge cost. I mean, when you're no, talking about cheap. getting into long range muzzle loading, um, if you're upset about buying some charge tubes, then you probably shouldn't get long range muzzle. <laughs> yeah. so. Very true. <laughs> Drop in the bucket. Exactly. Like yeah. that, I spent three thousand dollars on my scope, but man, a couple bucks for some charge tubes must be out of your mind. <laughs> yeah, <That's true>. exactly. <laughs> yep. And uh, let's go ahead and just uh, jump into our blowing smoke segment. So, uh, this is the segment where I make a true or false statement. You guys have to decide whether or not I am telling the truth 
or I am blowing smoke. So the statement is the longest recorded kill shot with a muzzleloader was 1,100 yards away during the Civil War. Is that true or am I blowing smoke? I contemplated this a lot while we were doing this podcast. I, that seems too far for the equipment they had back then. Okay. So I'm trying to think. You know, you're talking round balls, mm-hmm. but they did have really long barrels. I think they had the mini balls during the Civil War, too. Okay. I'm pretty sure. You know, as crazy as it is because of, you know, talking to, you know, Justin Dodd at IFG, Petter Soli, mm-hmm. um, you know, he does long-range competitions with black powder cartridge rifles and, you know, Creedmoor sights and and stuff. And, and I mean, they're shooting really long ranges. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I don't know how much of it is offhand, but I know some is at 800-plus meters. Yeah. Um, so I actually think true on this. I, I, I think that it was a once. Wing and a prayer. Know, yeah, just a once in a lifetime. <laughs> so literally. Brad's going to go true. Nate's going to go false. So... Nate is correct. Brad is not correct, but actually you guys are incorrect in the wrong reason. So the shot is actually 1390. Oh, wow. (laughs) And it's an unidentified Confederate soldier Mm -hmm. took a 1390-yard shot at a Union soldier with a – it was with a Whitworth. Okay. Um, So kind of like the – you know, it's renowned like the first sniper. Yeah. And uh, just – must have been complete luck. Like obviously he was oh, trying sure, to shoot somebody, yeah. but like there I was a hundred guys marching and he got one. Of them, yeah, you know? like I mean, if you see the scope on those things, it's like this long, and it's like it's totally, I mean, useful, but not like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow, thirteen ninety. Thirteen ninety. Yeah, it was on I think December fifth, and the the interesting thing is it was during a ceasefire. <laughs> and so everybody started shooting at each other, and then the Confederate guys were like, "I am sorry. Let me write an apology letter to you guys." And so, wow. And so, yeah, it was. Uh, That's yeah, interesting. Pretty crazy. But Are the we- important part was that I was right. So. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Thirteen ninety. It's long. That should have been an over under thing. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's I, true. I <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. So that's kind of moving on from that. Uh, let's go ahead and jump into the powder that we use for these muzzle loaders. So we've talked a lot about Blackhorn, mm-hmm. um, and that's you know kind of been the cream of the crop for a long time. But there's yes. other powders that can be used too that we've tested with and experienced with. So mm-hmm. what are the powders that we're going to be looking at when we're using these? I mean, Blackhorn is really hard to beat when mm-hmm. you're talking long range. Um, it's just really hot. Um, yeah. Gives you that really fast burn. Um, very, very good complete clean burn as well um you can use triple seven and pyrodex as well pyrodex mm-hmm. select especially we, we've tested with that and that that burns extremely hot for what it is mm-hmm. uh, not as hot as blackhorn though um, yeah. so it's hard to beat that i mean in long range you need a hot fast burning powder for the most part yeah well here's the question too and this is just something that i think might pop into the minds of some of our listeners is uh where does pelletized powder fit into this long range game um because <laughs> Typically, pelletized powder is pretty consistent, but yep. you know there's always that small amount of variance that you can be looking to control. It belongs on the shelf at home. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I would say you know the hard part is you have to test. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I mean, I've shot the uh, IMR White Hots 150 grains out of an Acura LR with a, a Power Belt Platinum mm-hmm. and gotten a one inch group out of it. Yeah, um, and and pretty good. Uh, SDs on the velocity as well. So, I mean, 
Is it possible? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but it requires testing. You mm-hmm. might try it in your gun. You got a two inch group. Well, two inch group is just going to, you know, at 400 yards is now eight inches. Yeah. That's pushing the envelope too big for me. Um, you know, I really think that four to five inch group range is where you stop, uh, you mm-hmm. know, with any gun. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the fire stars would be a fun one to test as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. again, you've got to test it. And, you know, loose powder just gives you that variable that you will be able to find an accurate charge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. With pellets, you may or may not, because you're going such big differences between pellets. It's true. Yeah. And you can you can mix and match some, but I think the more you start to mix and match too, uh, with like 30s and 50s and stuff like that, that's just more opportunity for uh, one mistakes to be made, but two, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just variance. And right. so I think that there's it's definitely possible. But when you're talking about we're we're getting pretty surgical with all of these yes. things, and you know that's just something else that you could be more surgical with. Yeah, um, for me, I'm kind of a precision freak. So if I was going to use uh, pelletized powder, I I guarantee you'd see me at home putting them on my scale <laughs> shaving a little off each pellet. <laughs> i could definitely There's see no, you doing that no that's question. possible no question. <laughs> the way i hear it though you like to make your own pellets <laughs> yep. yeah just leave your gun loaded for three years it pelletizes the powder <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah also impossible to ignite so that's good. <laughs> Gotta I, I didn't try time. i was like <laughs> better just dump this yeah. out yeah <laughs> Cool. Um, and then I guess let's kind of touch back on just different models. We just want to revisit that a little bit here. Um, is what models are going to be like your top, like if you're going to pick three models that you're going to like, okay, these are the ones that I want to go with. Like mm-hmm. what are the top three long range models that are in that production lineup? Like not obviously the crazy custom stuff, yeah. but the production. Maybe, maybe we'll each do three because yeah. I, I think yeah. we would yeah. rate them differently. Mm-hmm. Um, partially because of we might be thinking of different hunting scenarios. Mm-hmm. It's true. Yeah. You know, if if you're a mobile hunter, you know, if I think of the most versatile gun to achieve 300 yards, mm-hmm. you know, and so that's not the one that's going to shoot the furthest necessarily, mm-hmm. um, but the most versatile you can use anywhere. I would probably go Vortex Striper, Striker Fire Vapor, mm-hmm. um, LDR, 30-inch barrel, super light gun yeah six and a half pounds um so you know if if you're a western hunter and you need to use open sights you know long range with open sights you know yeah. it's possible um you've got that option it's good in the bean fields and the corn fields in the midwest you know mm-hmm. you can use it in the, the fields back east as well i would actually say that's the most versatile one mm-hmm. um followed closely by the acura lrx yeah a little heavier that's that's the main distinguishment mm-hmm. there but i mean but not by much um, you know, the ultimate long range gun is the Paramount HTR 40 cal in my mm-hmm. book. Yeah. Um, Paramount pro 40 cal is, is right there too, but the HTR will stretch the limits for sure. Interesting. So, yeah. And I guess what, what's, what's your thought process behind, is it the, uh, the stock or is it the lightweight nature? Like what's the, uh, the thought process behind that on the Vortec? No, on the, uh, HTR versus the Paramount pro 40 cal. Um, yeah, I do like the adjustability on the stock. Um, you know, and, and I think bang for the buck mm-hmm. is the other one. It's true. Yeah. You know, I mean, really, like, the Paramount Pro is the cream of the crop. Mm-hmm. The HTR, you know, doesn't have the Cerakote on the outside, but it does have that adjustable cheek piece, which I really like. Mm-hmm. You still have the nitride, too, so it, it's not left it, out. Exactly. So I, I think it's just a, a really good gun at, at a good price point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I can't really argue with you there. Yeah. 
So, all right, Nate, what's yours? My three are easy, you know, Paramount Pro, Paramount HTR, and Paramount. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm totally kidding. You're not a big fan of the Paramount. Pro, <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think I would probably go uh, Paramount HTR 40 caliber would be my first pick. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you're going to have that little extra weight like, like Brad was saying, but I'm probably okay with that. You know, I don't mind packing a little extra weight. If you saw what I had in my pack, you'd be like, oh, yeah, that's nothing. That's nothing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> true story. Yeah. Uh, I like to be prepared. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just for the versatility, the long range, the weight, the recoil aspect of it. Yeah. Um, I think, mm-hmm. that, like Brad said, it's the cream of the crop. I mean, he said Paramount Pro, but um, which, I, again, I don't disagree with. I just think for me, the HTR is just a little bit lighter. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, same versatility. Mm-hmm. And then I would probably go. You just kind of flip flop what Brad said. I w- my first choice would be the Acura LRX, mm-hmm. and then um, the Vortec. Mm. So I think with mine, uh, I'm going to go LRX first, um, and that's just because I'm kind of in my mind because I hunt in Oregon mostly. I'm mm-hmm. kind of thinking of like I want something that's going to be convertible for the most part. Northwest ignition. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that's just like that's the only reason I'm going to give like a the slight edge to that. Mm-hmm. But then I'm going to go the Vortec um because I also really like the lightweight nature. Um yeah. I keep a lot in my pack so I don't want to have a huge heavy rifle. Uh, yeah. so I want to keep something pretty lightweight especially when you hunt if you're hunting in western states like we do uh, yeah. for the most part it's going to be a lot of hiking and you're going to want to make those ounces mm-hmm. count. So and then I think I'm going to go with the Paramount Pro um, because of the lightweight, you know, the Graybo stock, Cerakote, Nitride. Um, I think I'm going to give it the Paramount Pro 40 cal. Mm-hmm. And this is obviously without, I, I'm not going to factor cost into it because, you know, that's all, that is a big factor. I think the HTR is definitely bang for the buck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Crazy good. But um, I think that the 40 cal Paramount Pro is just excellent. I mean, you yeah, just can't really, really, it's hard to beat. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, those are kind of like my top three and, uh, let us know in the comments below what your top three would be Yeah, because we want to hear from you guys. Um, and I think honestly, let's just go ahead and wrap it up. Like if you guys have any, Actually, I, Oh, you want something to add? Okay. I, I do have one more thing there. It's all situational. Mm-hmm. It's true. Yeah. If I'm in Iowa, I'm going the 40 cal, uh, HTR, you know, and, mm-hmm. and if I'm going to, if I'm going back to Pennsylvania, I know I'm not stretching past 300, you know, and yeah. and maybe I'm not walking as much. That might be the LRX. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in every situation, you know, it's going to be a different gun. It's true. And we could pull 100 people across the country and we're going to get, you know, a, a whole range as even between the three of us. Yeah. Yep. And so we are interested in feedback. You know, yeah. we want to know, like, just what's your number one? Yeah. You know, yeah. Let's go there. Um, and why? But, you know, it, and if you are looking to get into this and want a recommendation, you mm-hmm. know, just call and ask us. We'll, we'll sure. be happy to say, hey, you know, and, and we have a list of questions we go through with people to make our determination on, hey, here's a couple of recommendations for yeah. you. We don't push any one product over another. We just say, hey, here's three guns that might work for you. Mm-hmm. Now you can kind of make an educated decision. Or buy all three. I mean, yeah, I that's think true. that's really the takeaway here. <laughs> We've had some it's people do that. situational. I mean, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You never have too many. That's too, right. Yeah. I yeah. definitely agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah, well, I think that's a good place to end it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like Brad said, give us a call. We really do care about you guys. Um, that's why we do this podcast. We care about getting you information. We also want to make sure we're getting you the right information. So if you mm-hmm. have uh, a podcast that you want to hear about, um, we recently recorded a whole podcast because one of you guys asked for it. So um, leave that in the comments below. We, we read the comments, we respond to the comments, and we want to hear from you guys. So please do that. 
Um, also subscribe. We are always looking to uh, just grow our community, our family here at Muzzle Loaders. We love all you guys. And uh, stay tuned for the next episode. And we will be back next week. 